Hello and welcome to Why It Matters. This is a podcast for leaders who know that relevance is a moving target. I'm Michael Goff and I'm the Strategy Director at Spark Studio. This is a collection of interviews with leaders who are passionate about something that is being overlooked. Sometimes that will be a brand, a product or a service, but it can also be an idea, something that has lost its value for many. And to re-express relevance, you need someone with vision. Today I'm talking to Jess Harris. Jess has over 20 years experience in developing and delivering successful growth strategies across a range of businesses. Her clients vary and often include traditional sales focused companies. Jess helps to strengthen their brand so that it can support their growth plans. How the leadership view the role of branding their growth strategy is a critical step. And so in today's episode, I'm asking Jess why buy-in matters. This idea that you're both a commercial and marketing director, as, as you pitch yourself on LinkedIn, which seems a, an interesting blend of two distinct roles. Why bring those two things together? What's the benefit of that blend to your clients? I mean, I think historically I've come from a sort of more general strategic commercial background, but increasingly got more interested in brand and marketing as a, and the role that plays in, in that. And I think commercial can be quite a sort of broad kind of catch-all for quite a lot of different activities, including things like procurement and so on. And that's not really my space, but what I do is, is strategy, but it's very much grounded in brand and marketing. And then it often in, leads into and includes areas like e-commerce, account management, sales strategy. It's gone into product and service development. So it, it can it ends up going into quite a sort of broad range of activities that are roughly can be articulated as commercial. And ultimately, it often ends up straying into the areas like operations, HR, training, getting the right types of people in that reflect the brand. So it's really using kind of brand and that marketing strategy as a, as a sort of starting point for a lot of a lot of the a lot of the future decisions of what an organization and, and brand how it ends up modeling itself essentially yeah interesting and then your background you've been you've worked obviously sort of client side so you talk a little bit about the kind of places that you've worked and so I started off my career as a management consultant in 2000s working in what we term the destination sector and it was at the time there was a lot of money going into regeneration work, HLF, Heritage Lottery Funds, uh, big capital projects. Um, a lot of the regional development agencies were investing heavily into big capital projects as a regeneration mechanism. So that that's sort of where I, I mean, I actually did a museum studies MA at UCL and, and trained as a museum curator. So then ended up in this kind of world of sort of big cultural projects. So worked on things like the sort of initial work for Turner Contemporary down in Margate and work for people like the BFI. And then one of my clients was Hugh Fernley Whittingstall um, from River Cottage. And I'd written the original business plan for the River Cottage Rural Courses Centre. And they bought a property and said, look, why don't you help us come and do it, actually turn it into a real actual thing. So that was going from sort of management consultancy in suits to wearing wellies and being down on the farm. And we didn't have electricity where we started and we used to sit in a sort of derelict farmhouse with birds flying in and out Gosh. so it was really sort of quite a sort of startup mentality as well so not huge amount of capital so it was quite you know it was it was doing stuff quite lean and, and getting stuff going and that job really turned into kind of how do you exploit what was quite a well-known 
brands, particularly at that time, and well well developed brands and well respected, how do you sensitively, in the best sense of the word, exploit that brand into other activities? And then from that, I sort of did four years down in Devon, and rural life was um, was great. But I was kind of single at the time and wanted to get back to London and be sort of back where I thought the action was. So from there, I ended up at the Natural History Museum, running their touring exhibitions department, which is a commercial function within the museum. And from that, I ended up doing lots of kind of commercial roles, but within quite non-commercial spaces. So did, did some work for Cheltenham festivals and just just worked across several different arts organisations in in a sort of commercial capacity. And then from from there, kind of had a bit of a, a bit of a change in that I ended up running a digital marketing agency for a couple of years. Um, and that's really where the marketing piece kind of fell, fell into place for me. And I really got excited about the, the sort of digital piece and how that fitted with brands and, and following from that ended up as commercial director at um, Swan at Shakespeare's Globe which had the contract at Shakespeare's Globe to do all the catering and events that was about £10 million turnover a year and then we had a group of four or five other restaurants that I was also kind of managing the marketing for and now I'm sort of back to consulting and at the moment I've got a profile of clients which is everything from building merchants through to sort of helping digital marketing agencies with some of their strategy I have worked across quite a wide variety of industries but I think inadvertently I've ended up other than the natural history museum this kind of theme through it is often working from a lot of owner-run businesses or entrepreneurs and quite often it's at quite an early stage or their businesses where the focus traditionally has been on sales rather than brand or there isn't particularly well developed marketing function and it's really coming in and, and sort of strengthening that and being a champion for brands and how that should filter through a business I think it's particularly some of my experience in sort of food and beverage brands there is a real the traditional sense is just build it brilliantly and they will come and that marketing can be seen as or brand can be seen as a bit of a black hole of investment so a lot of sort of working with senior teams to see the value in that investment and also be able to demonstrate to them what impacts that investment on your bottom line. Interesting. Just kind of lean in a little bit on that sort of river cottage experience. I mean, was that about establishing, widening an existing brand? Or was it, were you actually sort of building it from scratch and then thinking about the opportunity to grow it? No, well, it was very much an established brand. It had been on TV for several years. It was quite an interesting brand because it's so tied to Hugh's personal brand and identity. And obviously that's not particularly scalable if you've got one you know, one person's kind of a finite resource. So a lot of the brand strategy at the time was widening it to include more talent, which was, you know, what we set out to do probably 15 years ago. And they've done really, they've been really successful in that. And there's some really, you know, some really good, people that have now got their own profiles and so it was really about a brand that was well known but really didn't have a lot of commercial activity behind it so it was capitalizing on that existing brand but doing it in a way because clearly it's a brand about sustainability it's the exact opposite of, of of scaling stuff so it was finding routes to do that in a way that was sensitive and in line with with that brand identity and also there were a lot of people who who felt they had a lot of ownership over that brand in terms of you know a lot of fans who you had to take with you and for Hugh would you say he was kind of brand savvy there was a sense in which he kind of saw the value of brand at that point 
Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, it was very, very much grounded in this has to be authentic. This isn't, you know, this has to be true to our brand values, which were you know, entirely about sustainability and, and to, entirely about, you know, doing things, doing things the right way. And so it was a really lovely brand to work with, but, it, you know, but it, you couldn't take shortcuts ever <laughs> with any of it. And so then you, you kind of mentioned they working with sort of owner owner-run, owner-led organisations that perhaps are a bit more kind of sales-driven. Tell me more about that sort of black hole of sort of marketing, the perception that marketing is this black hole of expenditure. And have you engaged in with leaders and owners about the kind of value of, of marketing and brand? I think you have to try and take people with you and it is about taking small steps and it is about making I think sort of making some initial quick wins is really important you know you you can't really afford to spend six months working on a really stunning strategy because particularly with entrepreneurs they just just want to see some results and see what their investment is going to deliver for them so I think a lot of it is about change management as much as it is about getting the strategy spot on or you know being even massively innovative initially quite often it's about getting the basics right and it's about educating people but in a way that makes them feel empowered not stupid so and being patient I mean I do you know working with the team at the moment and I keep saying to them look we're this is a marathon not a sprint it's not just you that sort of know this stuff's important as a marketing team there's a huge change management piece as the organization has got to do about the way they ask for resource from you how work's prioritized how we manage stuff that perhaps isn't on brand or isn't you know, fitting within a strategy, how that's managed. So there's a whole piece of work around, which isn't straight marketing, but it is absolutely essential if you actually want to get any traction and and get anything done. Yeah, okay. And so that change management piece, what are the kind of key, the key planks then that you're kind of looking for to help them to realise that, that actually there's more at stake than just you know, a campaign that actually there's more infrastructure that needs to be to be put in place. What, what what are the key components for you as you kind of look at the opportunity? I mean, I think starting with the customer experience is really, you know, is always really important. And I think quite often, I mean, a lot of the sort of brands I've worked with are quite operationally focused uh, for really good reasons, you know, quite often because they've got quite complicated or customer facing bits. But I think trying to just take it back to basics and say well hang on a minute let's just look at this not us what's operationally easiest for us to deliver but what this means from customer experience and you know just doing some good old fashioned persona work for example can quite often be a really powerful sort of half a day spend with a senior management team and that they know who their customers are but they probably won't have articulated it and really thought through in any detail who those people are and what their needs are so I think there are certain exercises like doing personas as a starting point which can be really powerful sort of starting point just to get building a bit of confidence and getting people on board I mean, a classic one is, you know, having a marketing team that are just being pulled in every direction with random requests coming from branches or whatever, asking for, oh, we want to do a promotion on this or oh, we've got, we want to do that. You know, it's just putting in place good process for managing those sort of requests and also having things like content calendars that are sharing particularly if you're working across lots of sites and you're not necessarily particularly at the moment being able to sort of physically go and visit all those sites regularly making sure that the people are clear they know where they can see promotional calendars knowing where they can sort of access what what 
contents and also that people feel that they can input in, into it as well I think particularly you know I've worked with restaurants or bars in, in the past quite often got some really sort of created talented front of house people who are, who are just you know really keen to kind of get involved in feeding back who the customer is what they need what they want so kind of tr- finding ways to harness some of that energy and engage people in it so it's not just back office sitting there delivering all this stuff that doesn't resonate with the front of house team or the trade counter team or whatever it is really essential part of it otherwise just you know marketing becomes this completely separate entity that is just creating work so how do you help a traditional sales orientated business see the value of investing in their brand obviously it depends where a business is on their journey and some businesses I've worked for essentially haven't really had a marketing function when I've gone in so quite often rather than going in with a lot of sort of brand strategy and what might be in a sales environment deemed as quite fluffy so what stuff quite often the the best place to start is in either sort of doing something really practical like sorting out the website so it converts properly and so that they can see some sales coming in or doing some promotional campaigns where you can really got some data behind you. And I think sort of demonstrating your worth within the business in, in terms of sales is quite often a really helpful baseline to start start with. So quite often the projects I work on, people don't come in and say, well, we want a great branding strategy. They sort of say, oh, our website's a mess and we're I know, setting up a bunch of new stores and our process for doing that's messy. Can you help us? But I think if you can start off with some practical things and, and it, you know, is getting those kind of quick wins and, and just demonstrating your value to the business, that's quite often a more effective place to start than a sort of six month, fairly, you know, what's seen as quite an expensive branding project where you might not see any results for, for a period of time. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because our background in branding is very similar. So we've got particularly one client in financial services who very much see the value of what they do as being focused on their client servicing. And actually, we've been working with them now, it must be sort of six or seven years. But when we first got involved, it was really clear that the CEO didn't really believe in branding. And in fact, we weren't allowed to use the word. So the <laughs> word that we had to kind of change our language. So we talked about livery a lot rather than brand because livery was something he could relate to um, whereas brand just seemed a bit fluffy and kind of you know not really kind of solid or meaningful yes that's really familiar I think also there's a particular challenge for owner-run businesses because essentially they'll have grown their business up to a certain point potentially without having invested a huge amount in brand because they feel they know it and they understand who their customer base is. And quite often I get involved in businesses when they're at a point where they're scaling to such a size that actually is starting to get a bit flabby because you you haven't got one person who can necessarily control that as an owner in the way that maybe they did early on in their sort of business growth journey. So I think that piece where you you can see a business expanding and then you can see the brand getting a bit diluted and and a bit messy, that's quite often a really good time to get involved and and start putting some of the processes behind saying okay well if we're going to scale this we we need some brand guidelines in place we need some we need to give people the right assets we need some decent you know photography or whatever those assets might be and that's all quite tangible and quite palatable in a way that maybe what's deemed a lot of chin stroking might not be 
And so, so someone who's in-house working with a sort of traditional sales-focused leadership team, they get a sense, you know, the individual recognises there's a bit of an opportunity, that they see that that dilution is happening through the kind of growth strategy. What are the things that they should be doing to help demonstrate the value of investing in the brand to the leadership team? What are the what are some pointers or examples that we could give them? One, I mean, one of the most powerful things you can do is show, particularly teams that aren't particularly sold into the idea of investing in brands, is showing them what their competitors are doing. I've worked with some really traditional businesses that have had teams that are quite established. So have been in that business, certainly in that industry, their whole careers. And so to sort of show them what other people are doing and show them what good looks like elsewhere and also show them what good could look like in other industries is quite often a really powerful is is a more powerful argument than just saying but this stuff works you've got to believe me so I think that's a really good starting point I think the other thing that is I wouldn't get involved with a business that wasn't putting marketing at sort of at a senior level and and was sitting at board level because I think it's just it's pretty much impossible unless unless you've got someone really at that senior level who's championing it so I think that that's a really key key requirement and something that I think if you're not in that position and you're sort of more junior marketing person within an organization it's very difficult to kind of get that change in place and then the other bit I think is just doing the obvious stuff which is saying it's not actually about brand it's about customer experience because a lot of salespeople they may not really buy into brand but they certainly buy into customer experience and that's something they, they tend to feel very passionate about so if you can really sort of talk through how the brand piece can support that customer experience. That's absolutely key. I guess the other element, though, sort of re- related to that is the, the kind of commercial impact. How much How much are you having to demonstrate the commercial significance of that investment? You know, that, that actually there is going to be, you know, for want of a better phrase, a kind of a KPI that comes out of the back of that. Um, you know, there's going to be a return on the investment. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously the investment in a brand, it's, you know, famously quite difficult to sort of measure the ROI on that. But I think the more the more data led you can be, be and the more data driven you can be, obviously, very sales focused businesses, that's what talks. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier about being being able to get something like getting the website converting that can just the fact that people can see the numbers going up actually gives everyone a lot more confidence that investing in this area of the business, perhaps an area of the business has been underinvested historically is a good thing to do. And it is worthwhile. You know, the other challenge is if you've got a senior management team who are not particularly confident around marketing, it's translating those figures into those marketing metrics into into to numbers that actually make sense. Because I've, I've sat in a lot of meetings where you kind of get glazed over click through rates and so on. It yeah. means nothing. So I think it's finding ways that you can really communicate very clearly what the key metrics are, but in a quite a simple, sharp, snappy way is, is really essential. And you talk there as well about sort of advocacy and the importance of having someone at a kind of senior level that has some sort of engagement with the marketing role. Just talk a little bit more about that. And particularly, you know, why why does buy-in matter? What difference does it make? I think with the businesses I'm talking about are ones that are perhaps hospitality or builders, merchants or, you know, really traditional businesses that are bricks and mortars businesses that have had a build it and they will come model and actually to a certain extent up until fairly recently that's worked and so you will still come up against quite a lot of well we've always done it this way and do we really need a website and, and well our customers aren't online and I hear I hear those conversations all the time still which feels 
astonishing to me, me as a sort of marketing person in 2021, but it's still it's still there. So I think getting buy-in really does need to come from a senior level if if it's not just to be marketing's this, this kind of team that, that does a bit of promotions at the bottom. And and I think to really get buy-in, it is about taking that team with you in terms of understanding customer journey and the growth opportunities that that can lead to. So yes, there's some good stuff about showing case studies and and what people have done elsewhere that really works. There's getting your key metrics in place. So saying it's about how many account customers or how much repeat business or stuff that really translates into money basically for for revenue for, for that team. And it is about getting that senior person so even if it's not a marketing director role, there's somebody that's championing this and it can translate. I mean, I've been into a few businesses where you've got perhaps the buying director trying to translate this stuff within a board meeting and it's just totally getting lost in translation because actually there's nobody that really, really understands it at that level. So finding a way to get access to that board meeting and making sure that the marketing voice is at that table is absolutely essential. Yeah, and and the consequence, you know, what's lost if the, if buy-in isn't secured? I mean, I should imagine most of us can think of some examples of where we've produced what we thought were amazing brand strategies and uh, identities and so on, and it hasn't quite worked in translation. And I think I can think off the top of my head of you know restaurant I worked with, and we came up with a beautiful brand strategy for them, and the identity was great. And they never really quite accepted the investment needed to do it properly and certainly never kind of embraced the fact that actually brand then needed to flow into things like maybe your HR policy or your recruitment policy or how you were, what KPIs you were setting for people. And so, you you know, they sort of half implemented what, what was produced and, that, and that's where you get a sort of very lost, quite confused, messy brand identity. So, I mean, the reason why I'm saying that it really needs to be at a senior level is because otherwise it ends up just sitting in marketing and effectively that's worst outcome in a way because it, it just becomes about, you know, what the logo, logo slapped on. But if you can really get the brand identity owned across a leadership team, then it starts to go into making sure that the operational output reflects the brand identity, that the HR policies reflect the brand identity. So it, it then starts informing all your decision making. And that's when you obviously clearly get a really strong brand because the whole thing's joined up and hangs together properly. But that that does take time and it does take a sort of communication style that, you know, you do need to adapt your communication style for, for that business to, to get buy-in. What's going on in a business to know when it's a good time to make the case that actually some investment in the brand is needed? I think sort of investment in brands, it's a bit like having a baby. There's never a great time. You know, there's always a reason why you shouldn't, you know, invest at that point. And then I have been in businesses that have sat on, you know, really needing to put some investment into a brand for two years. And they've, you know, it's suffered as a result. And then sort of two years in, everyone sort of puts their hands up and says, well, why is this happening? And it's challenging. But I think periods of growth are a really good one because that is when things can start to get a bit 
messy and a bit um the brand can kind of lose its focus um so that's a really clear one i think you know i, I would always argue actually if, if a business isn't doing well that's when you sort of invest into your marketing although i know you know a lot of people's instinct is to that's your kind of line that you pull back on um and i would think there's a lot of businesses right now that are actually sitting on you know it's potentially quite a good time to look at mm. brands because because of what's happened in the last year or so and people really thinking about well what what does that mean for my business people's habits have changed the market's changed the competition will have changed so actually that those can all be quite good triggers for when you look at brands I think you know there's and there's obviously there's a sort of evolution of brands and a revolution of brands and quite often it can be a more palatable to say okay well we're going to evolve evolve this rather than than do anything radical and for more traditional businesses that's often a more comfortable route route through it so if if you've got one of those trigger points where you think well hang on a minute our competitors have done x or actually we're opening another 10 branches or whatever it might be, then actually just finding the right level of what that review of that brand looks like can be really helpful. It's very easy for for brand, as you say, to become a kind of siloed activity and um, and and people to lose sight of the fact that actually brand is a kind of quite a pervasive element of a business that underpins all decisions. And you're right to kind of highlight the importance of recruitment and the importance of HR and performance and that kind of thing. And I think the challenge is, you know, how how do you help a business that perhaps a leadership team is a bit more traditional and, and sees the output of a logo or sees the output of a website as a kind of tactical delivery of a brand. But for them to actually see, no, there's there's more going on here because we've certainly been in a situation where, like you say, you've, you've established a, a positioning, you've, uh, an approach, but then it just kind of gets put in the drawer and forgotten about because the tactical element has been delivered. They've got their new logo or they've got their new website and they've lost sight of the bigger opportunity to allow that positioning and that strategy to shape the whole business. Absolutely. And I think that's why getting that senior team on board is absolutely essential, because without that, it does get put in a drawer and, and you you kind of end up with the assets, but nobody really championing it from a what does this mean for a business? And I think if you can sell it in as actually this is our brand strategy should be helping all decision making. It should be guiding all decision making within the business. And it actually gives us a framework, a really helpful framework on future business strategy. Because if you can go back to the brand and say, well, how does this sit within our brand framework? Does it help us deliver that? Then actually things like investment decisions and growth decisions and so on are, are you know, it, help, it helps with some of that, some of that decision making. But it does need to be, you know, you need at least one person within that senior team who can champion, who can champion at a board level that strategy and and keep banging the drum for it. You know, I've got some quite, you know, depending on your audience, I've got some fairly kind of clear stuff around customer journey and explaining role that a website might play. And I mean, a lot, a lot of businesses I work with just see the website as a separate sales channel. It's just, you know, the e-commerce bit is just a, you know, it's a, it's a separate revenue stream. So really getting people to understand actually that the website for, or, you know, digital platforms could be touching a lot of your in-store customers several times. They're very likely to, you know, everyone's likely to check your website out at some point. All of that, that good basic 
marketing stuff really if you're working with a load of operations people that they may not have really considered it in that way before so I think you have to be prepared to invest the time in helping people understand this stuff and I think the other challenge is quite often with very you know very busy businesses quite often senior teams don't have the time or don't feel they have the time to to invest in this this stuff or get their heads they just kind of want somebody to deal with it and take it off their to-do list so I think trying to find ways to carve out time to talk about this stuff is really a it's a challenge but if you can do it and you can can spend time with people doing that education and learning piece and that that can be really effective that's good the other thing that is sort of triggered in my mind is sort of the relationship between sort of sales and brand buildings um and certainly this uh, some of the senior leaders that we've been talking to through the last 12 months and the challenges that everyone has faced in business through through lockdown you know that there's been a kind of consensus view amongst those that we've been talking to that have been basically saying that our priority is sales and sales activation and converting the pipeline that we have at the moment you know there's stuff in the pipeline we just need to close those deals and we're going to be fine but that 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 kind of short-term approach you know is obviously going to solve the immediate dent in cash flow but it's also losing sight of that sort of bigger opportunity of what what else is going to fill that pipeline once you've converted those opportunities and actually the the brand opportunity i think as you're saying is you know to take that holistic view of the whole business how are we going to how are we going to raise the profile of the of the organization so that so that ultimately that pipeline is getting filled because people our profile is growing and our engagement is growing with those who currently don't know us yeah, I mean, ideally you're you're doing both, and ideally you're you know you're 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 looking after both. You know, it's not an either or. You're investing in in both areas of the business, and I think you know we can all understand when a business is facing a difficult period, why cash becomes king, and you you know you you focus on the sales. But I think you know the medium to long term strategy should always be about building that brand because that essentially becomes the asset that you you know for for the business, whether that's about sale or or whatever building that brand really should be a core core objective of, of any business so which two cultural events have you enjoyed recently that you think would be worth a look Okay, Michael, I'm not going to lie here. I've been locked down with a three and a half year old for the best part of a year now. So I've been watching a lot of number blocks and occasionally quite a lot of alpha blocks. Um, so that's like been my, uh, my, my cultural event. But I think I've, I'm quite a keen um, podcast listener at the moment. I've discovered running whilst whilst um listening to podcasts which is something i previously thought was uh, close to masochism but it's actually all right um so i'd really recommend the americast podcast if anyone hasn't already discovered yeah. it i'm a bit of a u.s politics junkie so and it's really spot on it's a good it's a really good listen and then i've got a bit of a <laughs> bit of a kind of guilty pleasure around true crime and which i almost wasn't going to admit and i thought no nope, i'm just gonna be so there's the hunting Lane with john sweeney podcast which which is all about Gislaine Maxwell and her background, which is really good. You feel slightly dirty afterwards, but is a good listen. <laughs> and um, there's another one called The Orgasm Cult, which again is all about, which is quite interesting one. It's it's about the sort of interplay between wellness and the sort of Silicon Valley and cults. And there's loads of orgasms in it. So <laughs> well worth a listen. Fantastic. Thanks, Jess. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for uh, 
letting me chat with you. It's been great. It's been really fun. Thank you. You've been listening to Why It Matters. Why It Matters has been put together by Spark Studio, the brand and design agency based in London. To find out more about us, visit our website at sparks-studio.com. Join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at hashtag whyitmatterspod or get in touch with me at whyitmatters at sparks-studio.com. Thanks for listening.